Good morning, church. My name is Brett. I am pastor of this people. It's good to see all of you, but especially our guests. Welcome, and happy Mother's Day again to everyone who has born a child or who's adopted a child or is a foster parent. Happy Mother's Day to you. Thank you for doing what you do and being who you are. You're special. We're going to spend a lot of time talking about you today. Uh, turn with me over to the book of Luke, chapter 1. Luke chapter 1, verse 36 through 37. The title of the message is Mothers in Synergy, Elizabeth and Mary. Luke 1, 36 through 37. Behold, even your relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age, and she who was called barren is now in her sixth month. Verse 37. For nothing will be impossible with God. Lord, help us as we study. Three things on this passage about which I'd like to talk to you. One, you've got mothers that have a coinciding purpose. Two, they have common connection and circumstances. And, and three, they are called to do something very special with their sons. They're cross-generational in their orientation, meaning you've got Elizabeth who is a little bit older, and Mary, who's a little bit younger. Now, this passage is in the continuation of a passage that details how Mary received the information that she was actually going to bear the Christ child, God in the flesh, the incarnation. So the angel Gabriel comes to her with this proclamation, and Mary is confused in that she doesn't understand how it's going to be. She says, I'm a virgin. This is not normal. And the angel Gabriel says to her, well, the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you and the Most High will overshadow you. And the child that you will carry is called the Son of God. The power of God is going to come upon you like that and you'll bear this, this boy. And her response is in the affirmative, which is really convicting to all of us. I mean, how long did it take you to get right with God? How long did it take you to say yes? You hear a message think, eh, I need to contemplate a little bit. Let me roll it around in my thinker. I'll get back with you on that. God gives you an opportunity to participate in his purposes, and we put them on hold. Here's a girl, a teenager, who puts all of us to shame. She had her whole future in front of her. She was engaged, engaged to be married to a really great guy. I mean, a great guy. Joseph was a phenomenal carpenter, probably the best in all of the region of Galilee. He'd saved up enough money to, to, to ask for her hand in marriage. It was a thing called the bride price, which is the opposite of the dowry. The dowry would be given by the, the father of the bride. This was actually given by the, either the father or the groom or the groom himself as kind of a, uh, an ancient engagement ring, except much more expensive. Depending upon the status of the woman or the quality of the families, uh, it could be upwards of three, dollars $400,000 in our, our currency today for the rights to marry this woman. He had given a bride price, and Mary was the best girl in the youth group. I mean, she, she, she knew all of her Old Testament. She got her gold stars every week. And here Joseph came, and he got himself a plum. Fabulous. She was engaged. And she, without hesitation, says to the angel Gabriel who just told her she's going to be pregnant in like five minutes? <laughs> yes. Let it be done unto me according to your word. I mean, all the thoughts that had to run through her brain. 
I'd have conversation. I'd have conversation. And that's to my own detriment. I'm weak in that way. Could, could you help me with how I can explain? In fact, if you could, do you know where Joseph lives? Gabriel, do you know where, jo- I can give you his address. I'll text it to you right now. If you could go by and tell him the same thing you told me, that would really help a sister. Because he's not going to believe me when I tell him I'm pregnant. He's going to be so angry. Pregnant, who, who's a daddy? God, right, baby, yeah, 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 that's going to fly really good. I'd have all these questions. Could you help me out, please? And after you finish there, could you go back to my parents? Because they're going to want to know too, and they're not going to believe me. This girl without hesitation and no deliberation, no conversation about how it was supposed to take place and what would be most, most comfortable for her, says, great, let it be done to me just like you say, not like how I wish. But like you say, wow. To that response, knowing the attitude of Mary's soul, the angel Gabriel gives her just a little bit of information that might be helpful. He says, your relative Elizabeth, she who was once called barren, is now in her sixth month, for nothing shall be impossible with God. Kind of leverage to let her know that miracles are kind of easy for the Lord. They're tough for us because we see the obstacle. But God created all things and he can make atoms move however he wishes. Molecules have to obey his word. He's the creator of all things so he can manipulate the environment however he wishes. There's no such thing as a hard miracle for God. They're all the same difficulty. Easy. (laughs) So he's saying she who was once called barren and not the kind of barren whereby there is still hope. We're not talking about 35 years old, been trying to have a baby for the last 20 and can't. We're talking 65, got your AARP card in hand. (laughs) There is no possibility of this woman giving birth and her husband is at age two. They're both car carrying here. That kind of barren, done, over, cooked, finished. And And the angel says, she is bearing a child. Now, it's a relative. So everybody, you know, have been praying for Elizabeth to have a baby. All of a sudden, oh, Auntie Lizzie's having a baby? Wow! We've been believing for that for decades. I mean, I'm only 15, and all I've known is praying for Aunt Lizzie. <laughs> so, but, but it was much more than just an announcement. It was one of these, you have, a, you have something here of a cross-generational impact that can help you. It says immediately, following verses, she goes down to see her, her relative Elizabeth. And it says she stays for three months. Now, this is, this is a phenomenal encounter. She goes down to see Elizabeth. Why? Because she realizes, okay, I know what the angel said, but he gave me this little information about Elizabeth, and maybe it's because she... She, she could be of help to me in understanding how things are supposed to go and she may be able to give me some wisdom about how to proceed because this is not going to be an easy road for me. So she immediately leaves. Now, she, she believes she's pregnant. She knows it's, it's true, but she's, she's got no pooch. There's no, there's no pooch proof. CVS hadn't opened yet. So there was no test kit. 
And she probably had Mr. Cycle, but you know, those things can be a little iffy, and so there's no real proof in the natural that this thing has happened. She runs down to Elizabeth. Now, Elizabeth is down in the region of Jerusalem because her husband is a priest. He's in the order of Levi, he's in the priesthood, and he's got to do his, his regular responsibilities. Now, there were, there were lots of priests. I mean, when you get down from Aaron, which was 1,500 years prior, all the way down to, to Zechariah, who's Elizabeth's husband, there are lots of priests. And, and what they did is they had different orders of times. You might have to serve in the temple once every five years, but it was his turn. And so they lived in the area where they could be close in proximity to their need for service. Mary lived in, in Galilee, which was probably 80 to 90 miles north. She, she considers it so important to have support in this process that she travels down to see Elizabeth. She figures Gabriel gave her a clue. And she winds up on Elizabeth's stoop. She calls out, Elizabeth, Aunt Lizzie. As soon as Elizabeth, Elizabeth hears her voice, it says the baby, who is John the Baptist, leaps in her womb in such a way that it's not just a normal kick. It's one of those, ooh, what? And then she says to Mary, by the way, I have no idea what that feels like. I'm making all that up. I have no idea what that feels like. And she says to Mary, how is it? Now, all, all Mary has said is hello. She says, how is it that the mother of my Lord has come to me? Mary said, Elizabeth, I, how did, who, how did, so much revelation in those 12 words. Whatever the number is, how is it that I am graced by you and that you are pregnant? She calls her a mother and she has no idea. God has just downloaded to her information prophetically. All of a sudden, Elizabeth has become this prophetess. How is it that the mother of my, my Lord, and not only does she realize that Mary is pregnant, but she's carrying God Almighty. Oh, and Mary's just sitting there thinking, oh, it's true. It's true, I'm pregnant with God. Oh, I'm pregnant with God. I'm pr- I don't even know what that means, but I'm pregnant with God. I'm pregnant with God. Oh, I need help. Oh, I need help. I need so much help. I'm supposed to be a mother to God. How does that work? For three months, she stays. Oh, cross-generational impact. Even though Elizabeth had never raised a child, she was wise. She'd lived long enough to be able to give a whole lot of information down to a teenager. And now they were pregnant together. And, and she, it says she stayed for three months, which gives you, gives you some insight. Elizabeth was pregnant six months. Mary stayed three months, which means Mary stayed until John the Baptist was born. Can you imagine what was going on during those three months? I never thought we would be in the Old Testament like I read that passage before, but I've never seen it like that. I'm there. That's me. That's you. Wow, wow, it is amazing. Let's read how our boys are supposed to intersect. What is their life supposed to be like? Well, there he is. Uh, he'll prepare the way of the Lord. He's, that's what my, and yours is the, the branch of Jesse. <laughs> this is so cool. Three months worth of encouragement to one another that allowed Mary to go back home and deal with all the junk. Because when she went back home, there was no party. There was no red carpet. Nobody, first of all, knew she was pregnant when she came back home. And now she was pooching. 
Mary, you gained some weight. Mary, you okay? Mary, you gained you gained weight in one area, Mary. Mary, what's up? I'm pregnant. No, Mary, how could you do this to us? Dad says. Joseph is a good man. Why would you do this? We, we trained you right. We raised you. What kind of... How? He paid money? Good money? Non-refundable money. He paid money? How could you do this to us? What is wrong with you? He tells Joseph. Joseph says, I can't deal with this. Now, the beauty is this. Mary had faith through the entire process. We don't know what it was like, but she had to have an unusual anchor in God to go through all of the unbelief and accusations that people were giving her. And where was that bolstered except with Elizabeth? Infusing to her every day. Oh, you got a knucklehead husband? So do I. Yeah, see, I found out I was going to be pregnant because Zachariah went into the temple and, and, and he was doing his, his duties and the angel showed up and said, the Lord has heard your prayers, Zachariah, and, and like Elizabeth is going to have a child and he's going to be amazing. He's going to be the forerunner for the Messiah. The whole world is going to be great. And Zachariah said, huh, how this going to be? <laughs> Doubt and unbelief, not happy. You know, when you... When you're already set in your retirement, a two-year-old can really mess it up. <laughs> I mean, that can mess up all your plans. And so Zachariah was having none of it. I mean, when the angel said, I've heard your prayers, he was thinking the one he prayed last week, not the one he prayed 40 years ago. But God was answering because he doesn't forget. So literally, because he had such a bad attitude, God had to shut him up for nine months. He didn't speak. For n- the angel said, yeah, because you're like that, you will not speak until I say so. Nine months. And it was only when he was relenting on the name that he began to speak. And, and probably, see, I- Elizabeth is, is a pretty good Hebrew name. Zechariah, boy, that's, that's a historical Hebrew name. John? kind of Greek, kind of Greek. Now, Jonathan was Hebrew, but his name shall be John. Let me put it in context. Now, there were a lot of people who were called by Greek names, just like in Christian terms, we use all kinds of different things to label our children. And most of them don't have anything to do with other religions. But when you are very, very cloistered in Hebrew tradition like the priests were, I mean, it is myopia. There's a, there's a way you do things and there's a way you don't do things. There are names you give your children and there are names you don't. You're a priest. So, if Cynthia and I were to have a child, and we were to name our child Abdullah. Yeah, y'all didn't even laugh. <laughs> you get my point. All of a sudden it's, why would they do that? That's a Muslim name. No, it's an Arab name. Muslims use it. <laughs> y'all messed up now. So... <laughs> 
Zechariah is using a name that Greeks use, not Hebrews, not good, strong, traditional Hebrew priests, pastors use. He probably didn't like it. And it was only when they asked, when John the Baptist was being dedicated now, they asked him, what shall his name be? Everybody was saying, well, what good family name do we have? Everybody was saying that because they knew he was a priest and Elizabeth was right in the order. And then John took out a, a, a tablet with a chalk and wrote, his name shall be John. And immediately his mouth opened. Once he submitted to the will of God, he talked. So Elizabeth had six months worth of silence before Mary showed up. Now, all y'all, all y'all wives are saying, hmm, how do I get some of that? <laughs> six months worth of silence. So she could be able to help. She was able to help Mary in saying, you got a knucklehead husband? I know it's your fiance, but he's going to be a husband. I can help you with that. How do you manage somebody who doesn't want to believe that this is a good thing? How do you manage? Oh, common circumstances. And this allowed the generations to impact one another in a way like nothing else could. God paired Mary with a woman of wisdom and allowed them to have common experiences that they would carry through their life. Now, Elizabeth would be one who probably would never live to see the ministry of Christ. She was just too aged. But she poured everything into Mary so that Mary would be able to help John and Jesus understand what life ought to be. We don't have any record that Mary <clears throat> said anything to John, or we don't have any record that John and Jesus hung out together as, as kids. But we have to believe that they did. I mean, when you have that kind of relational bond for three months with one another, knowing that each of you can find yourselves in, in Old Testament writ, somebody prophesied about you, Please don't think that somehow they just separated without any contact later. Every time Mary and Joseph would come down for the feast in Jerusalem, of which there were three a year, and they had to spend an entire week, and that's where Zechariah and Elizabeth and John the Baptist lived, don't you think that they would allow sleepovers? John the Baptist and Jesus would play Egyptians and Israelites. And <laughs> John the Baptist would always have to be the Israelite, excuse me, the Egyptian. Always be the Egyptian. Don't you think those things happened? That there was some kind of relational connection there. Now, I know the commentators will, will say that uh, at some point, Jesus was coming to the River Jordan, and John said, I didn't know him until he came. But I don't think it was because he didn't know him at all. That didn't make any sense. I just think he's saying, I didn't know him like I know him now. I get it. I knew, I do know now why I always had to be the Egyptian. I get it. I get it now. He's all that. He's the Messiah. He's going to be the Lamb of God that saves all of us. He's going to be the King. He's the one to whom I need to give all of my ministry. And you don't do that unless, you don't do that just on the basis of anointing. Listen, there are great preachers around, better than me. But I'm not giving you to anybody I don't know. It's simply because they can preach well doesn't mean they deserve you. I'm going to have to have a serious relationship with somebody to give over my ministry to them. John the Baptist, and this is one of the reasons I believe he was called the greatest of the apostles. Excuse me, greatest of the prophets. And I, I, let, me, let me refine that. 
It said there has been no one born of women who has been greater than John the Baptist. So he wasn't the greatest, but there were people upon whom they sat on the same tier as great. Nobody exceeded him. So we're talking about Moses, Joshua, Abraham, Elijah, Elisha, Isaiah, Jeremiah. Big people, great ministries. John the Baptist was equal to all of them. Nobody exceeded him. But he didn't do one miracle. Not one miracle. He didn't write a book. We don't have a John book by John the Baptist. We have it by John the Beloved, the apostle that was with Jesus. So why is he so great? Because he had the best ministry in the last 500 years of Israel's history at that point. 500 years. Nobody had come like him. Malachi was the last prophet somewhere in the neighborhood of the 5th century, which would be the 400-year period B.C., but he was a prophet to a specific people without a ministry like John's. John could preach so well that people came out to the wilderness and the desert to hear what he had to say. It's hard to get people to come into air condition. <laughs> In the wilderness and spend a couple of days to hear John. That's how great he was. And when he saw Jesus, this is what he said. Okay, time for me to decrease. Time for him to increase. I got 30,000 here, Lord. I got 30,000. They're all yours. Take them. You don't do that without relationship. You don't do that without relationship. What a man. All built by the synergy of their mothers, realizing their common purposes. And we've got a, we got a great ministry here called Mothers of Grace. Mothers of Grace allows for moms to get together and, and discuss best practices, to be prayed for, to be helped. And, and you say, well, pastor, these two children were really special. I mean, John the Baptist and Jesus, you're not going to replicate them again. I get it. And, and, and my, my Leroy ain't like them. My Antoine is not one of them. My Lolinda is not one of them. They're just a snotty-nosed kid that needs a diaper changed every day. I, I don't know that the kind of attention that you're giving to those two needs to be expanded to everybody else. Listen to me. Every child has a purpose. Nobody is going to duplicate what Christ did or what John the Baptist did. They were once in a light, one in, once in history generational team. But your child is born for such a time as this. And mama, don't think that somehow your role is insignificant in training them into what they should be. Or that they have a ceiling that you have marked out as being low. Greatness is in store for the people that are called yours. And if you have never birthed, you probably still have born. Simply because they didn't come through your womb doesn't mean you, you don't have to carry them. Somebody told me when my kids were born, well, you got 18 years and it'll be done. <laughs> lie, 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 lie. It gets harder now. I mean, you're more busy then. It just gets harder now. Little people, little problems. <laughs> Even if they don't come through you, you still bear them. It is, it is common in my house. 
when I'm in my family room reading my Bible to see people come up from my basement that I don't know. <laughs> I don't know who these people are. They run straight to my pantry. They open my fridge like they live there. They pour milk in their bowl. They start grubbing. I say, hello, my name is Brett. <laughs> I don't know these folks. I buried them though. I didn't birth them, but I buried them. Even if you don't have the responsibility for someone called after your name, and you're older, and you're past the age of childbearing, and, 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 and you're not any longer believing in that area, you still have a role to play. Because the second generation needs your wisdom. They need your help. And our mothers of grace, our moms of grace, is a great ministry. You need to participate in it. They help one another know how to live best, how to, how to keep the hair they have and stop that which they have from growing gray. Ladies, and even if you can't participate in Moms of Grace, work it to where you are serving one another because there are no new problems. They just come with new clothes. Everybody's been through whatever you're about to go through. Somebody's been through it. And if you can connect with one another, you can help one another become better moms and, and, and hopefully make your kids better kids. And we're raising up a generation. This message I'm preaching today is just not about Mother's Day. It's prophetic. We're raising up a generation who can complete that which we don't finish. And the fact that we will not finish is pretty much ironclad. It's not because we're derelict. It's just because there's so much work to do and we don't have enough time to do it. I'd probably have to live till, till I'm 140 to finish things. We're called to win this city. We can't do it on our own. We have no delusions about that. But we're called to help. And I want to see this city served well. I want to see it bettered. I want to see poverty wiped out. I want to see homelessness gone. I want to see young people inspired and not so depressed that they feel like there's no hope in living anymore. I want to see our economic institutions helped. I want to see our educational I want to see it all better. That's the only reason we're on the planet is to make the planet better. And I'm not just talking about sociologically. I'm talking about bringing the redemptive benefit from the cross so that sociology makes sense. Yeah. Salvation along with stuff of the world. And we need God to help us in that. It's a big vision. And generally, any vision that is God is usually bigger than you. And so this isn't just about you helping somebody who needs help in terms of parenting children or encouraging them in the process of believing that it's really important. This is more than that. It's so much more. It's about making sure that we as a people are trying to figure out how in the world we can posture ourselves and be happy about the, the prospect of giving away things to the second generation and not feeling like as older folk, oh, well, what's in it for me? That's why we live to give away. I mean, parents, you don't say what's in it for you when you're trying to figure out how to make your children great. Everything about what you do is about seeing them succeed and thinking, it's worth it. It's everything, well, almost worth it. I still need a little bit more for what I did 24 years. Yeah, but we're getting there. We're getting there. It's worth it to see them succeed. And it's kind of like the process of birth. What does it say in Scripture? That though, though the pain of childbearing is great. Again, I know nothing about this. The pain of childbearing is great. 
Once the child comes out, the woman forgets. It doesn't mean she doesn't remember. It just means she puts it in the right context so that the pain no longer is so painful. The pain was worth it to get the fruit. That's what it's like when you bear a child past 18 to their point of launch. Whenever that is, whenever the point of launch is, take off begins, you get happy. Becomes worth it. And we as a congregation, yeah, I'm, I'm not, yeah, I guess I'm old. But, but people who are old say what I'm about to say. I'm not old. They all say that because they, and when, listen, AARP sends me something every week. Every week, I'm 57. Every week, I don't open it, I just trash it. Just write in file 13. Because I know what they think I am. I'm not that. I am not that. I'm not that. I know who you think I am, but that's not me. That is not me. <laughs> but I know I'm older than I'm young. I get that. And so I'm doing all I can. We are doing all we can to give what we've got to the second generation. And you don't do that without relationship. You don't do it without relationship. We are posturing ourselves for Miata and Jared, and Shamika, and Juan, and all the young people who are in our midst to receive an inheritance from us so that they can take it beyond us, still having the same vision, doing things differently, different songs, different way of doing it. I don't care. Dress it up however you want. Values, doctrine, mission, vision, same. So that when I leave, and I'm not going anyplace, by the way, I'm... I'm I'm not going to be doing this at some point every morning. Somebody else will be. But I'm still going to be around, and I'll probably preach you once a month. We're talking about two or three years from now. So it's around the corner. And you say, well, why are you leaving? You're too young to retire. You still got a fastball. You're not throwing junk up there anymore. You, you still, the issue is not whether I can. The issue is whether can they. And I can't be a ceiling to their progress. And there are some things I can do that they can't, i.e. oversee all the works that we have started and much of our every nation world. Wisdom I can give. I can be an Elizabeth to a lot of young folks. So I'm trying to build this to where you will miss me but not need me. Things will be done with excellence. You'll like me still. You'll wish I was around. I'm insecure, so please say yes. <laughs> I was waiting and you didn't respond like I thought you should. But I won't be needed because they're really competent. We're called to do something different than just exist as a church and grow big. And it's not, it's not just the calling from what happens here on Sunday morning or from my position or influence. I'm preaching this message because every one of you who has either born or birthed or both has a responsibility to make sure that that second generation is prepared to do what they need to do. And you as a mom are able to impact those in your community who have no clue about how to raise people. I'm telling you, 
the lack of information is astounding. The basics of what it means to raise a, a person, a child well, is, is um, they haven't taken 101. And no child comes out with a manual. So you've got to figure it out as you go. And if you don't have scripture as your guide rule, you're using either your own experience or somebody who's written some, written, I love that word. <laughs> somebody who has written some really bad stuff. And I'm, I'm begging you, parents, help other parents. Be a mama to more than just your own. Be a mama to some other people who need one. Let's pray. Daddy, I love you. I thank you for your goodness and grace. Empower us to be the kind of people who can serve our community well. Is there anybody this morning who has yet to give their heart to Christ? Maybe you've made a decision in the past, but... Your life doesn't look anything like what a believer's ought to be. And you realize, boy, today I really want to get right with God. I need to give my life to him. If you fit in either of those categories, raise your hand high. I want to pray for you. Anybody at all? Today's a great day. to. I see that hand. Bless you. Once it's up, you can put it down. Anybody else? See that hand. Bless you. Once it's up, you can put it down. All right, you who raised your hands, pray with me. Say, Father in heaven, forgive me. I am sorry for the way I've lived. I choose to turn away from everything I know to be sin and to follow you with all of my heart. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for giving me the peace.